Hey everybody, come on in, come on in. Do you have your coffee ready? Do you? Yeah. Well, good. Run if you don't. Run, I say, because it's time for the best part of the day. It's called the Simultaneous Sip and Coffee with Scott Adams. Luckily, I'm Scott Adams, so that means you're in the right place at the right time. Two things that went right for you today, and I think you know what's coming. Yeah, yeah. All you need is a copper mug or glass, a tanker, chalice, or stein, a canteen, jug, or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine the other day, the thing that makes everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip. And it's going to happen now. Go! All right, I will add now to your list of uh, Twitter accounts which you should be following because uh, there are people that I will quote often and have useful different things to say. And this one is Rasmussen Reports. So the folks who do the Rasmussen poll, you, you need to follow their Twitter account because there's more interesting stuff coming out of their polls than there is in the news right now, actually. So the polls are more interesting than the news. Here's uh, something that Rasmussen reported. It was on a tweet today. Two-thirds of all Americans 65 years and older have been vaccinated. What? (laughs) Did that kind of sneak up on you? I didn't think it was this good. Two-thirds of all Americans over 65 have been vaccinated. Wow. (laughs) Is that true? And what should we be asking instead? What percentage of obese Americans have been vaccinated? Sorry, but we're in a health crisis and we can no longer pretend that being overweight is healthy. Uh, There was a uh, tweet uh, I saw this morning. Talk about timing. Um, Let's see, Jose Rosada, just Twitter user, uh, tweets a cover of Cosmo from just a month ago this showed a, um, I've told you before, I don't do fat shaming. So when I go into this topic, if I use a word like fat, it's not an insult word. I'm just speaking casually, okay? Are we on the, on the same page? We're not doing any fat shaming here today or any other day. But we'll speak casually about it because it's important. Um, so it was a, a photo of a very overweight woman, uh, prancing around on the cover. And the cover said, basically, that this is healthy. It showed a very, very large woman and said, this is healthy. Now, I'm not going to comment on whether that is a good or bad thing to put on a magazine cover, but I will tell you that uh, the current information is that the odds of dying from COVID are 10 times higher if you're above a certain weight. 10 times. The pandemic was really an overeating pandemic. It really was. Because if you needed two things to die, nine out of ten times, you know, it's not, not a complete uh, statement, but if you needed two things to die, you needed the virus, but you also, most of the time, like nine out of ten times, you had to be a certain weight, was it the virus that killed you? Or was it having two problems that killed you, and either one of them would not have individually. How do you say it's the one thing that killed you and not the other thing when both of them are known to be deadly health risks and you need both of them? Most times, you know, nine out of ten times, you need both of them in order to have the worst result. So I feel as if this is another case where being trying to be uh, politically correct which is to say that people who are above a certain weight are perfectly healthy, because we know that's not true. We know that's not true. But again, don't do fat shaming. It's a legitimate medical issue. And um, it's just, 
It's crazy that we ignore it. Now, here's a counterfactual. We saw that uh, the countries that have the worst um, weight problems also have bad outcomes. But wouldn't that hold for states within a country? Shouldn't you expect the same correlation? That wherever you have the uh, largest citizens, you should have the worst outcomes, right? Here are three states in the United States who are unusually good on controlling weight. Three states that have low BMI. So these are the least fat among the least fat states in the United States. Here they are. Um, The least fat people are, let's see, New York, New Jersey, and California. How did they do with the uh, coronavirus? Three worst ones, right? So are three, are three, three of, among the, the skinniest of our states, New York, New Jersey, and California, pretty big difference between their weights in these, those states and other states, and they did the worst. They did the worst. What's that mean? Well, we, every time we think we've found the golden nugget of data that explains everything, ah, Sweden, now we know what's... Oh, no, we don't. Oh, it's the BMI. Every time you see... Okay, no, that doesn't work. There are just a few too many variables going on. I'll just toss out a few things that could be making this misleading. Number one, Florida does not have a border with Mexico. Why is it that every time we mentioned California, every time, why don't we say, well, California is basically Mexico now, when you're looking at the virus. Because once the border becomes porous, and largely it was porous during Trump as well, that's not just something new with Biden, maybe it's worse. But why do we not mention that California and Mexico should be effectively seen as the same continuum of virus problem? The border doesn't have, doesn't have meaning to a virus. Whereas Florida's over there, surrounded mostly by water and then United States, does that not matter? Are we going to treat, treat that like that's not a variable that needs to be put into the conversation? Um, yeah, I, I feel as if that's another wokeness problem where we can't mention that it seems obvious that if you have a porous border during a pandemic, you have less control of quarantining and stuff. I mean, that's not, that's not a statement about anybody, right? That's just math. So I guess we're not allowed to say that. So we're, we're not allowed to say that it, it was a weight problem as much as a virus problem. As much as it was a virus problem, it was equally a weight problem. If we can't say that out loud, how do you fix things if you can't even talk about them, right? And we don't have to fat shame anybody to just state that there's a health impact. All right, um, even California is starting to open up. Even my restrictive, stupid, incompetent state is starting to open up. So even some mass events will have small crowds, but there'll be at least big events. I don't know about you, but today's the day I feel like we won. Now, one of the problems with... Uh, beating a pandemic is that there's no day when you can say, oh, the war is over. It's not like you fight a regular war against people and then you have an event and you sign a, sign a peace deal or whatever, surrender deal, and you have a day that that's the end of it. So the pandemic won't have a day. I feel like we need one. I feel like we need one. When it's over, whatever day everybody who's smart says, yeah, it's definitely over, we should have some kind of a celebration. Maybe not every year. I don't know if we need to add a holiday. But we need one good celebration, in this country anyway, to acknowledge what the hell we just did and are doing. Here's my take on it. As of today, I feel we won. I feel like the war is over. Now, it's not over. 
there's way more work to do, right? But it feels like the kind of work that's more like the Marshall Plan. I feel like we're, you know, as much in the recovery phase as we are in the fighting the war phase at this point. So I feel like something amazing has happened. When was the last time the entire world was on the same page? (laughs) When was the last time the entire world had to fight the same battle? Even if you took World War II, and you say, well, in World War II, you know, the whole world got together. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. The whole world was fighting against other parts of the world. That was when people were fighting other people. That's what a world war is, people versus people. This is the first time, as far as I know, the first time the entire humankind has ever joined in the same side of the same war. Can you think of, a, can you think of anything like it? I can't. In, in many ways, this is the greatest thing humanity has ever done in the sense of uh, it has the communication tools, you know, the, the ability to coordinate as one giant entity. You know, I wrote a book called uh, God's Debris years ago. And I won't give away the central conceit to the book as lawyers like this, not lawyers, as uh, authors like to use big words. And I feel as if this was the year that humanity became in a small way, just sort of glancing at one entity. Meaning that before this year, you could say we had 7 billion people and they were just separate entities. Yeah, some of them operated as governments and some of them operated as organizations, but for the most part, it was just 7-plus billion individuals with some rules. And then the pandemic hit. And suddenly... Every single human was on the same side. And yeah, we, you know, we argue with China and stuff, but there's no question that both China and the United States wanted to beat the virus once it was out there. So I feel as if something so big has happened that you can't see it. Because that can happen, right? Sometimes something can be so big that it's invisible. And the thing that is so big is that humanity just evolved into another sentient being. (laughs) That's how big it is. That humanity became a new, collective, sentient being. First time. First time for all of us to be on the same page. And, you know, of course, there are exceptions. There are people who never even heard of the virus living in uncontacted tribes and whatnot, but, for, but largely, largely, we just became a one entity. And will that have lasting benefits? I think so. Think of all the medical community people who now know each other, especially in the virology world, who now have met each other and shared techniques and tools, now have an open channel to each other that never had it before. Right. Humanity is starting to compete with God. You've got uh, Elon Musk literally getting ready to put people on Mars. What do you think we're going to do when we get there? We're going to terraform it. (laughs) Eventually. Now, I I don't know that Elon Musk has any specific plan for terraforming Mars, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Humans have reached the point where we can turn a planet into a different planet. Think about it. <laughs> that's, that's completely within our scope of probability. It's not even just a possibility. It's a probability at this point that humans will terraform another planet, maybe in your lifetime, the beginning of it. So we have evolved into almost a godlike, not equal to God, but, you know, in some of the lesser abilities, almost godlike. Uh, and believe it or not, I'm not stoned. I see somebody asking in the in the comments. No, no, I'm not. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> Too optimistic. Now I know some of you are on the the opposite page. You're saying to yourself, "My God, that's not what happened. 1984 came early. 
the big powers that be have all coordinated to give us this fake pandemic, they say. And uh, the real reason is to consolidate power. No, it isn't. <laughs> no, it isn't. None of that happened. There, there was no meeting where, where like, uh, shadowy figures got together and said, if we, if we release this pandemic and handle it a certain way, uh, we'll, get, we'll concentrate all the power in our hands. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. And, uh, but a lot of people will believe it happened. Along those lines, I've decided that there's a great need that needs to be filled, and I think I'm going to start filling it. It goes like this. You've heard me say before that um, defense attorneys, especially the ones who are defending people you're pretty sure are guilty, are not really serving just the client. A defense attorney is serving the public because the public has a tremendous need to know that trials are fair and that the, the accused gets like the most aggressive defense they could possibly have because you want that when you get accused of something, right? So when we like to hate the lawyers that take the case of somebody who's heinous, you know, a serial killer, and you know, who's going to defend O.J. And, you know, so you want to hate those lawyers for being like on the side of evil, but they're not. They're exactly the opposite of that. They're on your side, because if you don't have those aggressive defense lawyers, you don't have anything. You don't have anything. If you get rid of them, the whole system's gone, right? But Look what's happened recently. We used to have uh, the judicial system, which would be the only place you could go to, to be judged and then um, a penalty assessed if you were judged guilty. But that's changed. Now the judicial system is only one of the places that you can be judged for your alleged crime and punished. It's only one of the places now. The other place is in public opinion. Because our social media and our communications are so good now, we've developed almost a shadow court where you can be be charged, like Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss is being charged of basically a crime against humanity. In, you know, even what's the word when you're tried after you're dead? What's the fancy word for that? Put it in the comments so I can remember it. Um... And if he were alive, he would be penalized, right? Now, what is it that the judicial system has that this new system that just evolved, this shadow court of public opinion, what does it not have as a system? I'll tell you what it doesn't have. Suppose you're accused of something horrible, and let's say there's a big article about it in some major publication, and you don't personally have a lot of Twitter followers, you don't personally write for a, a national magazine, and maybe if they even had you on, they'd only give you one minute if you went on TV. So you can't really defend yourself. You are completely defenseless. If you, are, if you don't have your own platform... Now, somebody like Trump can just create his own platform. Everything he says gets attention. But the rest of you can't. How do you create your own platform and defend yourself against being uh, accused, tried, convicted, and penalized, losing your job, losing your friends, losing your reputation? What the hell do you do? Well, I'll tell you one thing that's missing in the process. A defense lawyer. Where's the defense lawyer? Right? Once you're accused, it's sort of the end of the story because you don't have recourse. And so... I've decided that in some cases, I can't do a lot of them, I'm going to be that defense lawyer. So I'm going to pick people who have been accused of heinous things, and I don't know how many of these I can do, but I'm going to essentially act as the defense. I'll have them on as a guest, and I'll give them a non-limited time to give me their side of the story, I'll push them as hard as I can, right? It's not my job to... I'm not going to try to redeem people, right? I'm not trying to fix them. I'm just going to give them a a voice. Because right now there's no defense lawyer. And part of the reason there can be no defense lawyer in in the public realm 
is that being the defense lawyer would ruin you as well. Right? Your life, your career, your, your job, all of it would be at risk if you were to publicly defend somebody who is accused of something terrible. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> because you know what? If I, if I get uh, accused of heinous things by defending, or somebody will think I'm defending, rather I'm just giving them a voice, uh, if I'm accused of all those things, fuck, fuck everybody. Fuck all of you. I'm going to do whatever I want, and uh, you're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> so I'm in a unique situation in which I'm hard to cancel. I am cancelable. I'm very cancelable, but I'm a little bit hard to cancel. And it, it, it creates sort of a Spider-Man problem. Do you know what the Spider-Man problem is? Spider-Man famously says in one of his movies, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Now, it's not that I have great power, but I do have a, uh, let's say, a sort of a, a special, uh, I don't want to call it myself special, but, but the place I occupy is special meaning that I can just get away with more stuff than you can get away with because I don't have the same penalty problem. So I feel as if I have to do it. Like I, I feel like it's, it's like this, uh, this magnetic call that's saying, okay, you, know, you're, you can do this, so you have to. Do you get that? Have you ever felt that? That you're the only one who can, so you have to, Right? It's like uh, there's a, a fiery wreck on the highway, and the, the car's on fire, and everybody stops, and they want to help, but everybody's afraid, except one person, always in a pickup truck. <laughs> you, you don't have to like this, but the one person who saves you usually arrives in a pickup truck. I don't know why. I, I'm not saying that this would hold in all cases. I'm just saying, if somebody's going to save your damn life, and you're, and you're in a lot of trouble, the person who's going to save your life probably will arrive in a pickup truck. I'm just saying. You, you can interpret that any way you want. It's just true. They're going to probably arrive in a pickup truck. And one of those people is going to say, I will reach in that truck and pull that person out. And I'll, I'll get you know, third-degree burns and stuff, but I'll do that. And the reason they will do it is that they know they can that's the only reason. A bunch of people show up, and everybody's afraid to reach into the burning wreck, and there's one person who says, I'll do it. And they have to. They have to, because they can. That's it. We're, we're sort of built that way. You have to help if you can. So I didn't pick this place, but I'm, pro- I'm going to be uh, defending some people that maybe you wish I hadn't. Okay? So I'm going to be setting this up and, as we go. But we'll, we'll bring a voice to the people who uh, are most, let's say, most controversial. And we'll see where that goes. All right. Uh, now, I tried it down a little bit with... Uh, um, I talked to Nikki Klein. Most of you saw that interview. Uh, she was associated with the Nexium, what people call a cult, but uh, they didn't call a cult. Um, and I thought that that went well. That was well-received. So I think I want to do more of that kind of thing. All right. Um, Here's the most fun hypothesis, speculation, I've seen all day. Christopher Hill tweeted this. He's a good follow. You should follow him on Twitter. Christopher Hill. Anyway, um, he tweeted a meme that shows a path for Trump to win the presidency but it's way more fun than just running in 2024. Are you ready? All right, follow this path and tell me which part could not happen. All right? Is this something he could easily do? Tell me what wouldn't work on the following. Number one, Trump runs for the Senate in 2022 from Florida. Could he win? I don't even know who else would be running, right? But... Could, so here's the first part. Could Trump win the Senate if he ran in 2022? I feel, I feel yes. I feel yes, especially in Florida, right? So that part seems practical. I'm not saying he would do this. This is just for fun. Next, if he had lots of coattails, because we saw that when Trump um, was, was uh, 
supporting other candidates, they won almost every time. So could Trump, based on, let's say, whatever bad job we think Biden does between now and then, and, and the Congress, of course, looks like a bunch of animals at this point, could he win enough, uh, bring enough people with him with his coattails that the Republicans could take back Congress and the Senate? I mean, Congress. Do you think he could do that? He kind of could. I think he kind of could. Now, everything depends on how well Biden does between now and then. But imagine a world in which Biden continues to fail. The things that uh, Biden does end up having to be the same thing Trump did, or it doesn't work, right? So take immigration and kids in cages. Biden either has to end up doing the same thing Trump did, or he has to fail, what are, what are his other choices, right? So every time Biden is in that situation where he has to, either has to do what Trump did or fail, he's just going to look worse and worse as, as Trump will look better and better. So, yeah, I think it is actually possible that Trump could, and again, I don't think he'll do this. It's just fun to talk about. Uh, he could run for Senate. He could win in Florida, and he could have enough coattails he might actually flip the whole, the whole House and the Senate. That's how that could do. It gets better. You, you want to hear the good part? And then Trump becomes Speaker of the House. You feel it yet? And then Trump becomes Speaker of the House and takes Nancy Pelosi's job. I'm not done. Wait, I'm not done. Have, have I said anything yet that you can't imagine happening. Now, again, I don't think it'll happen. But is any part of this impossible? It really isn't, is it? <laughs> All right? it, gets, it gets better. Now Trump's the Speaker of the House. And then he leads the impeachment against Harris and Biden for promoting the fine people hoax. And we know that uh, votes for impeachment just follow party lines. So it wouldn't matter if that was a good case, a bad case. It wouldn't matter if you think anybody should be impeached for any of that. It would only matter how many Republicans there are. (laughs) And if they decide to impeach both Harris and Biden, and by the way, this is fully impeachable. The fine people hoax is a very impeachable offense, in my opinion. It drives the country apart. I mean, it's just the worst thing that's ever happened in this country, in my opinion, that, that was done intentionally, anyway. Um, so now let's say he, impe- he impeaches successfully Biden and Harris. Who's the president? <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Speaker of the House becomes the president if both the president and the vice president are impeached. Trump would take the last two years of Biden's term. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. And then in 2024, he runs for president. (laughs) Now, again, I don't think this is going to happen. And the main reason I don't think it's going to happen is I can't see Trump running for a lesser office. As funny as it would be, I can't see him doing it. And being a senator is sort of a... It's sort of a... It's less fun than being president, right? So I can't see Trump doing it. But the fact that this path even exists, the fact that it even could happen, is so delicious that I almost can't stand it. All right. um, I'm going to talk about uh, some stuff that will probably get me canceled next. Are you ready? This next topic, people get canceled for even mentioning it. So you may never see me again. And I'd like to begin by begging to the gods of social media, please do not misinterpret what I say next. Please let me remain a vital part of the social media platforms. Let me, let me exist, please. 
Don't cancel me. Um, I'm going to uh, quote again Rasmussen. I told you you should follow them. They're making all kinds of news today. And they're tweeting a uh, story in one of a Georgia local publication that says the following. And before I tell you this, have I mentioned that the courts have found no proof of widespread voter fraud? Hear Hear that as clearly as you can. The courts have found no proof, no proof, of widespread, widespread, voter fraud. So let's all agree on that. That's just a fact. Don't cancel me. Don't cancel me. (laughs) And so I give you the following fact as reported by Rasmussen in a tweet. Um, There's a publication that reports it. Uh, that Georgia's chain of custody for the votes, the mail-in votes, is missing over 400,000 mail-in ballots for Georgia. And that Georgia, um, the ballot transfer forms, and they show you the, uh, the uh, chain of custody. So there's some forms that need to be filled out as part of the normal process of voting in Georgia. And what percentage of the mail-in ballots... By the way, I think Georgia was won by only 12,000 votes. So the the margin of difference in Georgia was 12,000 votes, but there are over 400,000 votes where the chain of custody is missing, according to this publication. And the ballot transfer forms show 78% of 89,000 absentee ballots from drop boxes were not transported to the registrar, quote, immediately, as election code rules require. Now, I don't know what immediately requires. Like, what would immediately mean? I would say immediately would be within 24 hours, maybe. If that feels immediate to me. Um, so we have two alleged... I'm not saying this. It's not me. I'm just saying what other people are alleging. Please don't cancel me. Um, What do you think of that? Now, who is working on fixing this? Who is the politician who says, well, you can argue about what happened, but we've already moved on. Biden is your president. Um, But we'll fix it for next time. We're not saying there was any fraud. We're just saying that there's a transparency problem. Who's working on that? Which, which one of our uh, important uh, national or even state politicians is working on fixing this? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Not even trying. If you thought we had a real fucking election, we didn't. There was not transparency. Without transparency, you didn't have an election. Does that get me canceled? Let me say it again. If you don't have transparency in the election process, you only think you had an election. You didn't have a fucking election. You had one you think you had, and that's it. If there's no transparency or insufficient transparency. So um, I do agree that Biden's the president. The system has installed him. That should not change through any, anything other than a vote or impeachment, I suppose. But uh, how do you ignore this? I don't know. Um, Tom Peters, who you may know as one of the most famous business management gurus in the world, had this to say about Bernie Sanders. I guess Tom Peters has lived in Vermont for a long time, uh, or he used to. He said, speaking as a former long-term Vermonter, ho-hum, Bernie has never proposed anything that is doable. (laughs) As of my departure from Vermont, Bernie had accomplished zero in his career other than to be in favor of, quote, good things. And I think to myself, I don't think that's an unfair statement, that he's never done anything except propose things that can't be done. (laughs) Now... What's the difference between Bernie proposing things that can't be done versus Trump proposing things that can't be done? Do you know what the difference is? 
Trump does them. <laughs> both Trump and Bernie have the same quality. They both propose things that can't be done. But the difference is that Trump does them. Vaccinations, you can't do that in less than 18 months. Oh, okay, I guess you did it. Right? Uh, getting some kind of a peace with North Korea. Are you kidding me? You can't have a, any kind of a stability or friendship with North... Oh, oh, he did it. <laughs> you can't possibly have a trade war with China and you know expect that anything good can... Oh, Trump did it. He did it. So that's a pretty big difference, isn't it? They both promise the impossible, but one does it. Now, I know you hate this topic, but I, always, I have to throw AOC in here because she's one of the few interesting people to watch these days. AOC, is she, is she Bernie promising things that really can't be done, that won't be done? Or, or, is she Trump? Now, she hasn't been in a position where she can do the impossible. She's recommending the impossible. But suppose she were in a position to do the impossible. Could she do it? Trump did. Bernie didn't. How do you know? Well, I would not say it's, it's anyway obvious that she could pull off the impossible. I'm just saying it's hard to tell, isn't it? Sometimes you don't know who can do the impossible. Um, but that's an open question. All right. Uh, the other favorite story of the day is that uh, watching... The, the, this will be my segment, Democrats Eat Their Own. So I guess last night Bill Maher had Charlemagne the God on, and you would see both of them as associated with the left, right? And I guess they were arguing uh, on the show about which of these Democratic leaders is more rapey. Um, was it Joe Biden, who was accused of worse sexual offenses, or is it uh, Andrew Cuomo? And to watch to uh, I, w- I don't think you could call uh, Bill Maher a Democrat exactly, but at least in policy and philosoph- philosophy, he's more aligned, I think, at least lately. But watching these two sort of big names in that space arguing about which Democrat was more of a rapist or more sexually inappropriate, not you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating with the, the rape claim, um, it kind of tells you where things are going, doesn't it? <laughs> and um, so this is happening in the context of you know Dr. Seuss getting canceled, the Trump vaccinations saving the world, and you know Iran is heating up. And if you see if you see uh, Bill Maher and Charlemagne the God arguing about which Democrat is more of a sexual abuser. Do you really think Trump can't win in 2024? Because as long as as Trump stays sort of uh, on the sideline but in our minds, you know, these these little press releases he puts out, hit pieces on Karl Rove and, you know, hit piece on this and that, are kind of effective. Because it keeps him in the news, but he's not making mistakes because he's not in office, right? You don't have as much to criticize when somebody's not in office. So I feel as if Trump just has to sort of rope-a-dope, you know, let, let the other side punch itself out, so to speak, and he just has to walk into the job. Now, health, of course, would be the big thing. And, and let me say as, as clearly as I can so that I have some credibility here. I don't think we should have presidents of that age. I don't think Trump should be president at that age, and I don't think Biden should be president at this age. It's just too old. And there's no way around that, right? Now, I'm going to reserve a decision about whether Trump should be president in 2024 because I think every month that goes by, you have a better read on his health. So if it's a month before Election Day 2024, I'm going to be looking really hard at whether Trump looks like he's still operating at peak performance or at least whatever the peak was for the first administration. And if it's not there, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't think I can back somebody who's mentally degraded 
if that happens. I don't think it's happened. But if it happens, I think you've got to take that into consideration. So as I said with the vaccination, my own decision will wait as long as possible. And let me ask you this. Do you remember you were told that the vaccination would have side effects and that you might have some flu-like symptoms, you might feel achy and have a terrible day for maybe a day or so? Remember you heard that? And now uh, millions of people have been vaccinated. How many news reports have you heard of people having a hard time with the side effects of the vaccination itself? It feels like there's a news blackout, doesn't it? Doesn't it? (laughs) Because even the people who made the vaccination said there's going to be a whole bunch of side effects and it's going to be unpleasant. Where's that in the news? I know know personally somebody who had a really hard time with it. Now, of course, he's happy he got it, right? It's somebody who definitely should have the shot. He had a hard day or a half, but he's certainly happy he got it, right? Now he's protected. Uh, 90 million people vaccinated, and the news is just silent. Both the left and the right, they're just silent on whether people are having a hard time with it. Is that good? Well... If you were to look at it as, is the media in charge of the country, you'd say that maybe that's good leadership because you want people to get the shot. If they have a bad day, they have a bad day, right? That's just the cost of getting to the other side of this. But you would imagine that if it were reported more aggressively, that fewer people would get the shots, right? So is the news intentionally managing what we think about the shot for the public good. And I'm not even sure what I think about that. Would you be mad at your news organizations if they decided to help save the world by under-reporting this thing that doesn't make much difference? You know, the side effects, it doesn't make much difference. But if they reported it honestly, fewer people would get the shot. That's just a fact. Right? It feels like we're being managed, doesn't it? It feels very much like both the left and the right news have decided that they just don't want to talk about that because it wouldn't be good for the world to do it. Maybe. Or maybe the side effects are not nearly as bad as we thought. Which one is it? Somebody says, take ibuprofen after the second shot. I don't know if that's a medical advice, so don't, don't take that as medical advice. I'm just reading a comment. All right. Um, so uh, here's a, a story. Why don't you see if you can uh, judge whether this is real news or fake news? This comes from the Daily Mail, British publication. They say that back in 2012, a North Carolina man hid a 10-inch revolver in his rectum after being booked into jail. He even passed a squat and cough test. Do you believe that in, nine, that in 2012 uh, a man who was booked into jail had hid a 10-inch revolver, handle and all, in his rectum? Now, I assume it was loaded because it would be hard to smuggle bullets into jail. So you'd want to load it. But here's my advice to the next, uh, the next prison doctor who does, or guard or whatever, who asked somebody to do a a squat and cough test. During the cough, stand to the side. Because I feel like the cough could fire the gun. Now, imagine if it did. Imagine if the guy, you know, I guess they make you strip and bend over and cough to show that there's nothing back there. But what if the gun fired? Could he escape from prison by running down the hall and whenever there, a guard came after him, he could quickly drop his pants, turn around, bend over, cough, shoot the guard with the bullet that comes out of his rectum, and then pull up his pants and then run to the next doorway. I don't want anybody to be shot. I'm just saying that if he had escaped from prison, 
by coughing and shooting bullets out of his rectum, it would be the greatest story ever told. That's all I'm saying. Don't want it to happen. I don't want a criminal to escape. I don't want anybody to be shot. But if it had happened, greatest story ever told. I think you'd agree. I think you'd agree. It's a movie that needs to be made. If this isn't a... uh, (laughs) If... if, What's his name? Carrie? Uh, If he doesn't make this movie, it's a waste. A waste of talent. Uh, There's a story about uh, Kirsten Cinema that nobody cares about, so we'll skip that. All right. Um, I believe that I've said most of what I want to say. And the only thing I want to say next is this. Many of you also follow me on the Locals platform. (laughs) Uh, Somebody says this sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. What would be the title of the Dr. Seuss book about the guy who escaped from prison by shooting bullets out of his rectum? Um, I would say... uh, Brown bullets and ham? I don't know. Can you come up with a better one? Top that. I'm a professional, so it's going to be hard to top that, I know. Brown bullets and ham. No, brown bullets and spam. Brown bullets and spam. Jim Carrey, thank you. Yes, Jim Carrey should do the movie about the guy who escapes from prison with a 10-inch revolver. (laughs) Oh, here's the other... (laughs) I didn't even catch this the first time I read it. The other part is that it's a revolver. (laughs) It's funnier that it's a revolver because that means if he does the cough and shoot, he can actually feel the revolver revolving in his stomach. Like, (laughs) I didn't think that could get better, but it did. All right. Um, I have a question for you. I've told you that uh, what I'm going to try to do with these live streams and more so with the subscription service on Locals, locals locals.com, where people in my community get to see stuff that they don't get to see here. If you are are on Locals, are you getting your money's worth? So that's that's the question. Are you getting your money's worth, and specifically not in terms of entertainment, because I don't do it just for entertainment. Uh, do you get your, are you getting your money's worth on the subscription service locals, the people who follow me, in terms of uh, life, uh, let's say, building your talent stack and improving your life skills? And it'll take me a moment to, uh, to see this. Okay, I'm seeing lots of yes. Um, because every now and then I need to check in on that, since my proposition is that it's supposed to be helpful to you, I don't want to guess if it's helpful. Oh, good. I'm seeing almost all yeses. Uh, I see see one no, but that might have been to another question. I don't know. All right, so for those of you who are following Locals, the benefit I hope you will get will be the micro lessons that I put there. Each of those is designed that within, you know, two to five minutes usually, In two to five minutes, you would add something to your talent stack that wasn't there before or reinforce something that needed it. And the idea is that everybody who watches me on Locals will become more happy and successful. And I wish there were a way to measure that. I'll bet if you measured the life outcomes of the people who follow me on Locals compared to the general public, that the graph would be completely different. Because just the feedback I get from people, they're saying it's changing their lives. People losing 45 pounds, people, you know, people getting twice as much income, people falling in love, all kinds of stuff. So uh, check out the other comments if you're wondering if it's worth it. Of course, everybody has a different reaction, but it looks like overwhelmingly the people who are staying on that service are happy. All right, um, that's all I got for today, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Right, YouTubers, you've got me for... uh, You're asking, what the bleep happened to Gutfeld? What do you mean? I don't think anything happened to him. Um, Yes, the local subscription is $7 a month. 
I think the platform will be looking to group subscriptions so you can subscribe to more than one person affordably. Uh, somebody's saying, you said a few weeks ago that Trump could never be re-elected. It changed your mind? Yes, yes, changed my mind. It, it's amazing how easily you forget that whatever the size of the, uh, the drama for that week is, that you'll forget it in three weeks. So the, the capital assault, I've already kind of forgotten. And if you're talking about three, four years from now, it's just not going to matter at all. What will matter totally is how Biden and Harris did. You know, Biden's mental capacity, that sort of thing. So if, if Trump stays healthy and he, and he doesn't have any competition, except the ones we know now, yeah, he could win. But I would say uh, the country would be far better off if some more, uh, if some capable politician emerged who could get elected, who was younger. But I don't see it happening. Who who do you see emerging who could uh, beat Trump in 2024? If you see somebody emerging, then I'll, I'll revise my opinion. But as long as he's not really He's not competing against anybody at the moment. There's nobody in his class. He, he is absolutely alone in his class, wouldn't you say? Everybody else you can think of who is strong as a, as a politician, they're still, they're still in the... the they're, they're not even in the same layer as Trump is. I mean, they're not even close. And I've never seen that before, have you? And you don't realize how big that gap is um, until you see Trump talking in public again. Every time, every time you see him talking in public, even though he's violating the fact-checking like crazy, there is something extra going on that is undeniable. There's just something extra that he brings that nobody else has. Yeah, DeSantis, DeSantis is... Um, doing a great job as a manager. And I hate to say that, because I don't have anything negative to say about him whatsoever. But when you see somebody doing a good job as a manager, it doesn't feel the same as a leader, does it? Right? Because the things that DeSantis did that worked were just really good sort of CEO decisions. You know, He did extra good on protecting old people, um, he was right about how much the uh, closing the businesses made a difference. So he was right on a bunch of stuff, but he was right kind of like a manager. Uh, he's sort of in that gray area there. I just don't know if he has that, that X factor. Uh, he, seems, he seems like the best, the best manager you've ever hired, but I don't know if he can if he can define himself as a, as a little higher level than that. That would be the challenge. But I have nothing negative to say about him. Could he be a good president? I'll bet he could. Yeah, I'll bet he could. In fact, I would say that of uh, at least a dozen different people. You could give me a dozen different names that I would say, yeah, they, that could be a good president. Rand Paul? Yeah. Yeah, he could be a good president. <clears throat> Tom Cotton? Yes, he could be a good president. But would they win? All right, that's all I got for today, and I'll talk to you 